Hello. Laz, is this on? Sorry, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Just talking to myself. Oh, wait up. Yep. Yeah, here we are. Oh, turn me down. <laughs> Can't hear me, then you do. Hey, do you want to give us a hand for a second, Pearns? Yeah. <clears throat> do you want to lift this over? Oh, don't worry, Kafkan. She's probably stronger than me. Wow. <clears throat> Thanks. Good morning. Seamless. Hey, seamless. Transition. <clears throat> Not saying we need more people, but... <laughs> Joshy and Sarah out and kids, so I think, uh, thank you for that. Welcome, everybody. How is everyone this morning? I'm going to try to use some props today, so you have to bear with me. Um, we'll see how that goes. I've probably over got overexcited with things, but we'll see how things go. Firstly, before I start today, I'd like to apologise for this thing that's on my face, this moustache. <clears throat> but I'm not going to really apologise for why I have it on my face. It's certainly for a good cause. And again, it's around, obviously, Movember, and it's around men's health. And one of the themes this year of men's health is that every, every minute of every day, a man around the world dies of suicide. Yeah. So, so in that vein, I've got a fantastic friend, anyone who knows Ice. He's a bit of a ma maniac and a bit of a machine. He's going to do a 60K walk next Saturday, basically starting in Ulladulla, going all the way up Pigeon House down the other side and back to Beryl. Um, we're going to hopefully try to do some of that. But again, as a group of men, we're just trying to push into that together. So again, I don't think I've ever done anything to my face that has offended so many people so easily <clears throat> than this moustache. However, least of all my poor wife, who has to put up with me and really, really, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's terrible. Let me just grab a drink, sorry. Actually, there's one, one funny story before I begin. Well, I thought it was funny. Years ago, me and my friends thought it would be fun to, again, raise money for a charity, and we didn't shave for three months, three or four months. So I, and, and, and if there's one ability that I've been granted, is it's actually to grow hair. <clears throat> and my face was just, it was this beast. It was literally out here. Now, all the other friends that did it with me, they were all in, they were, they were like fitness instructors and in bands, and they had no real... Life. No, they had no real, you know, they didn't have to sort of go, I was a professional, I was in emergency and people had to put their trust in me and I looked like a hobo because you weren't allowed to shave it, you weren't allowed to trim it, so I had this thing that was huge. Poor Kath, we went to a wedding of one of her friends that she hadn't seen in about 10 years and she brings her new husband from Australia and it was probably about two weeks before I shaved it off and we nearly divorced anyway, so <laughs> facial hair is something that for poor Kath has been an ongoing issue for her. So if you want to pray, you can pray for my poor wife and facial hair. <clears throat> so this week I'm going to follow on, and again for last week we were lucky enough to hear about Judas Smith talk, which is around anxiety. And again, I sort of sense this feeling, and again in our, in our pre-prayer today before, you know, there's this sort of tiredness as we push into the end of the year, you know, there's been a lot of things that people have pushed through, you know what I mean? And as a team, there have been some significant things and as a battle as that we've pushed through. Now, I don't know if that's the same as everyone else in the house, but I feel like, and again, personally, there's been a real weight of things that you carry and stuff. So today I really want to look at how do we carry a burden? That was, uh, so before I even knew Judah Smith was going to be on last week, this was certainly something that's been on my heart for a while. So does anyone else in the house have a burden that they're carrying at all? Yeah? Okay, so hopefully at the end of this today, we should be able to figure out how we can get some relief from that. 
Yeah? So I hope that when we finish from today that we get personally encouraged, but we also have some tools that we can get out the other side that can help us be people who carry a burden. Yeah? Because I don't think there's ever going to be a time in your life that you're not carrying a burden. And if you're not carrying a burden, I would suggest you don't have a pulse. Okay? So I think it's something that as a, as a group of people, we need to learn how to do well. And again, if we ever want to be a ministry to people, if we want to ever be an example to people, it's not that we're perfect people, but it's that we're people who can carry a burden and do it in a way that it doesn't affect us, that we don't sort of just fall to pieces or, or things don't happen. Now, I'm not saying that when people have you know, significant issues and stuff like that, I'm just saying that, you know, can we be people who know how to carry that burden, yeah? Okay. And ironically, before this week, I have probably had one of the most busiest weeks and expectations on me have been higher this week than probably in a long, long time. So let me tell you, I've had to actually physically do this this week, yeah? So when I talk about these things that I'm talking about today, I've actually literally had to push into it, yeah? So, which is just the way God works, really, doesn't he? <laughs> For anyone who's done anything with God, that's how it works. Okay, so the verse that I'm going to sort of focus around today is that verse in Matthew 11. Um, and poor old Shana, can I give a word out to Shana up here? It's his second day on, the, second day on here. And he's got to follow me when I do a sermon, which is a challenge for any person, yeah? Because <clears throat> I'm a bit all over, but we'll see how we go. So this is the verse 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cracking verse, eh? What, a, what an encouraging verse. And it even sounds simple, doesn't it? It even can come across as something real simple. So uh, today I really want to sort of truly un unpack this today. <clears throat> and again, I'm going to talk through now some of my own personal burdens. When I do this, I want you to sort of think about your own personal burdens and stuff, yeah? So when we do this. So at the beginning of sort of when I started thinking about this message, I started to think about some of those things in my life that are a burden to me, okay? So probably one of the first ones is being a father, okay? How do I father well? Do I father well? And the old concept of the rod and the staff, how much do I encourage and how much do I actually discipline? You know what I mean? And, you, and again, you also worry about your children. What are they doing? Who are they hanging out with? Are they hanging out with the right people? Where are they going? And let me tell you, I have people at work and there's people in this house that have grown children. That doesn't stop. Who are they marrying? Or are they getting a mortgage with? You know what I mean? This doesn't, I don't think anyone who's a parent, it probably doesn't stop until you die. You know what I mean? Um, Yes, that's, yes, that's, yes. And sometimes it can be encouraging bits. <laughs> but the reality is, yeah, all of that though, all of that comes with it, you know what I mean? And I know for me is it, you know, you just, you know, you're in Rosie and Dean's time and it's just absolute sheer tiredness, you know? But then you get into other stages. I think every one of those stages had a burden. How to be a good husband. Yeah? How do I actually try to be a good husband? How do, I, how, do, how do I actually understand a foreign species yeah, and their needs? And how does that person understand my needs? Because let me tell you, that's probably a harsh term, isn't it, really? But we are foreign. And I think the reality of us trying to work together as a team sometimes can be very difficult. And anyone who's walked along, I know that was a harsh term, wasn't it? Sorry. I'm too medical, aren't I? Foreign people. But again, we all have bizarre behaviours, don't we? There's something that is very normal for a bloke to do and there's something that's very normal for a lady to do and sometimes those two things are really, really polar apart. So again, how do we actually sort of do that as, as um, 
How do we do that well? How do I be a father well? How do I be a husband well? So I've got some, these are my little burdens. That's how to be a father and how to be a husband. How to be a friend. How am I a good friend? You know, am I a person who stays in contact with my friends? Am I a person who is there for my friends? How much do I balance between my friends and my family life? Yeah, that becomes a real issue when you get older. You know, when you're younger and you have all that free time, you can sort of do all of your, you can do whatever you want with your friends. But when you get older, maybe you have friends who put a lot of burdens on you, like building a deck. <laughs> anyway, I had, a friend, I had a friend last weekend who made me build a deck for the whole weekend. My nursing hands don't go so well. Am I a good son? Am I a good brother? Yeah, am I good to my, do I ring my mother? Do I keep in contact with my mother? The answer is that probably not as much as I should. Am I a good brother and to my siblings, yeah? All of my siblings, I've got three of them, they've all divorced. Yeah, and I think to myself, could have I have been a better brother? Could I have been there? Could have I said something? Could have I done something that could have been better? You know what I mean? Now, they've all got their own individual walks, but the reality is, could have I been done something better? I mean, so again, that's another little burden that we carry around with us. These bags are going to get really annoying, aren't they? Whoa. Man, I put too much sand in them. An employee, how good an employee am I? And let me tell you, my employee has really taken on some legs recently, you know what I mean? I've been put into sort of higher positions, there's far more expectation on me. You know, do I guide, you know, things well? You know, do people look at you and understand that you really sometimes don't know what you're doing? Can they see through that? Yeah? Yeah? Can you see through that, you know? And I think every person in a position of leadership will actually go, do they know that I'm faking it? Yeah? Do they know that I'm really probably not qualified for this? You know what I mean? And I think everyone has been in a position like that. You know, this year I've taken on formal education as well as part of my job and part of my family life. So that's another weight on top of me. You know, then there's things like this sports player, you know what I mean? Now, I know for a lot of ladies that's probably like, oh, well, that's a bit of entertainment. But for men, we seem to take it really seriously, you know what I mean? Whatever sport we do and stuff and hanging out in the surf sometimes, you know, you don't want to look like a goose in front of your mates, you know what I mean? So there's, you know, and again, it sounds like pretty trivial to some people, but every bloke in the house is looking at me going, yeah, I know what you mean. And if I'm ever hard on myself, it's when I'm playing a sport. I cane myself, yeah? I'm hard on myself more than anyone. So again, this is another expectation. Oh, my word. This was a good idea when I thought about it. <clears throat> All right. Then, then there comes preaching. Yeah, standing up here. There's a weight, oh my gosh, that comes with preaching. Yeah, there's a weight that comes with this responsibility of being up here. Have I prepped enough? The answer to that this week is no. But you've got to do with what you can. You know what I mean? Sometimes getting you out of the way and getting God into the picture is probably a way of doing it. And of course, the burden of being a Christian. <laughs> What's that? What's it like? No, I'm okay, thanks. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get them off soon. So there's a burden of being a Christian, isn't there? Being good all the time, being right all the time, you know, being that great person all the time, being encouraging all the time, even though inside you feel like bursting sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you feel like your head's just about to explode, but then there's that expectation that you're a Christian and everything's going along really, really well. You know what I mean? So again, you know, is that a burden that sort of overburdens us? Oh. This, is, this is getting harder. All right. So these are the ones that you can see, and again, you put in your own version there. Then there's the imaginary ones, yeah? Then there's the imaginary burdens, the burdens that people don't see, the unseen burdens, okay? These can be burdens about, you know, conforming to an image, 
conforming to something that you want to be. You know what I mean? Now, I know this sounds really strange, but when I was younger, having pale skin and being a surfer was a huge burden to me. I got paid out about it so often, so much. I used to just crisp up in the sun every summer. It was horrible. You know what I mean? Then there's a burden of perceived lack of things, you know. I don't have as much as other people have. I don't have what they have. Now, when I grew up, I grew up pretty poor. Now, this is a good example of what I used to do. When I was poor, I got my first car. It didn't have intermittent windscreen wipers. Do you know what I mean? You know when there's the on and off, and then there's that little one in between that lets you sort of do it a bit slower and stuff? Now, when I was young, I used to think my car didn't have that. It only had the one on or off. So I used to sit in... I used to sit in the traffic sometimes and there would be cars around me and people around me and it wouldn't be raining full on and I'd sit there putting it on and off so I looked like I had intermittent wipers. Yeah? That's what poor people do, you know? You want to fit in. You think, oh yeah, this looks cool. I remember doing that for ages. I got a car that had intermittent wipers. I was like, look at that. Look at me, I've made it. But does that make sense? You know, sometimes being poor, these things, these expectations. Oh my gosh, this is getting really bad. Can, actually, can you come and help me put that on? They are real heavy. Okay. This thought was this seemed like such a good idea when I thought about it. (laughs) Then there's the burden of the. Ooh, this is heavy. Then there's the burden of the future. Yeah. You know we're the only animals that can actually predict the future. We're the only animals that can. I feel like I'm leaking. (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. We're the only animals that can predict the future, yeah? So the reality is we're the only ones who can see into the future. Now, sometimes that's good for us, so, you know, we don't sort of get eaten by lions, but the reality is for most of us these days, it plays on all these fears, fears that are in our mind about everything, you know what I mean? And again, we sort of get to the point, you know, where we're just sometimes those fears get so much that they overburden us, you know? Even the reality of walking through the doors into church becomes an overwhelming thing to bear. And again, then there's the failures of the past, things that you've done in the past and failures you've had in the past, and you're like, I can't do it again because I've failed in the past and every time I'm going to step out, it's going to happen again. Yeah? And again, that breeds anxiety and it breeds things in people that like I will never achieve. Can you pass me the bowling ball, sweetie? And then, yeah, the bowling ball, i just pick it up out there. So, this is, this is what you're carrying around. You know what I mean? This is what you're carrying around. Then you come to church. Then the preacher says to you, you should take on the burden of Christ. And you look at him and you think, really? How is that going to be of any benefit to me? Yeah? How am I ever going to match up to the standard of Christ? You know, how is that ever going to help me carrying another burden? Then you walk into church and something, or you walk into somewhere, and there's just that one thing, doesn't there, that tips you over the edge. Someone says, how about joining into, you know, service out the front? We don't have enough people. And you just look at them and you think, why can't you see the pressure that I'm under? Why can't you see the things that I've carried? Why can't you see what I've been through? Why can't you see the stress that I have in my life? We stand there with these burdens around us, yeah, and then just something happens, you know? And people don't see that this is what you're carrying. This is what you're carrying, yeah? So today I want us to sort of get to that concept where we can actually understand what Christ is talking about, where you come to him and his burdens become light, because this is what us all carry around. I guarantee you everyone in this house has some version of what this is. And let me tell you, if I did this for another couple of minutes, I think I'd pass out. But this is what we all carry around in some version, yeah? So let us be people to know how to carry this lightly. Can you come and help? (laughs) 
seemed like such a fun idea. Did that work as a visual? Please tell me. Please tell me it did because that was really sore. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you be quiet. <laughs> yeah. So does that understand? Everyone? Yeah. Nice visual. Hopefully. Okay. So let's get to this verse. Which we can we go back to that, that original verse? Yeah. So come to me, all you that are weary and burdened. Yeah, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does this mean? Because I think when you read it, it seems quite easy, but I think the reality of this is a bit harder. Okay, so let's go back to this simple concept, taking on your yoke. Now, the reality is when I used to read this, I sort of thought to myself, oh, what, taking on a yoke? That sounds like, you know, you're just taking on the burden of Christ. And remember, you know, his burden can seem overwhelming to most people. If you ask a question of most people, why do you not come to church? They think, oh, because I'm just too big a sinner. I couldn't come to here. And again, the reality of being a Christian or, or that is just way too hard for me. And I think, unfortunately, it's been so wrong. I think it's been told to people in the wrong way. Okay, so let's go back to this basic concept of an, yeah, so a yoke is a thing that goes around two ox, yeah, that, get, that plow a field, does that make sense? So a yoke is those two things that sort of that, that wooden thing that goes around and, and an ox sort of plows the field back and forth all day long. And, then, and they say that the stronger one leads the weaker one, yeah, that's the way oxen work, there'll be a stronger one, there'll be a weaker one, stronger one weaks. Now if you're th talking about the analogy between us and Christ, let's just say that Christ's probably the stronger one and we're the one that should probably follow him. Okay, and... Again, you are strapped, you know, we strap ourselves to him. So the concept that he's trying to get across to here is that you strap yourself with Christ and he will lead you and he, you'll be able to get through your burdens because he'll be going with you as you do it. Does that make sense? He's not here to put things on you. He's like, if you come with me, then we will go together and it'll cut there. Okay. Now, one of the things I think we've always got to ask ourselves is what am I yoked to in my life? Because if you're not yoked to Christ, you're yoked to something else. Yeah? And now that could be greed. That could be things. You want things. Things fulfill you. It could be lust for pleasure. You know what I mean? To feel good all the time. I just want to feel good all the time. I do things that feel good all the time. It could be judgment. You could make yourself feel better because you gossip or you judge people. You know, you'll put yourself in a position of I feel better about myself. It could be around selfishness, yeah? I deserve it. Selfishness is one of those things that's very sort of simple inside your heart. I deserve this. I've had a hard time. I deserve this. This is what I deserve. Anger. Yeah, it could even start out as the right reason you get angry about things, but sometimes anger shows our prejudices, yeah? Gives us away for what we actually truly believe. It could be pride. There could be a number of things you can strap yourself to. And again, I think if we don't, if we don't sort of ask that fundamental question, because the answer is you're either yoked to Christ or you're yoked to something else. That's as simple as it is, you know what I mean? I think it's a nice sort of simple concept, and you know, there's two ways. And again, I think sometimes when sin starts out, it starts out real easy. It seems really light, don't even know it sometimes. You know, you think about partying, when you first start partying, yeah, it's easy, it's fun, it's great, you know what I mean? Then all of a sudden, every time you go out, you need to have some drinks, you need to have some of this, you need to be around these sorts of people. This is the environment, it's the only place where you can have fun. These things get going, going, going. We all know that these sort of, and again, I, unfortunately in my job, I get to see far too many times yeah, in hospital where things just don't go well and those burdens become so hard for someone, you know what I mean? 
Paul goes so far as to say that the wages of sin are death. Yeah, he basically just sums it up and goes, this road leads you to here. You know what I mean? Where, if you go with God, there is the offer of eternal life. You know what I mean? And again, we need to be people to help sort of people work that sort of stuff out. So again, what does it actually mean when we read this verse? Some of the commentary suggests that when Christ was talking about this, he wasn't primarily talking about a physical burden. He was talking about the burden that the Pharisees had placed on people. Okay? Remember back then the Pharisees had really upped those ante of sort of whatever the Old Testament, the Mosaic law was. About 600 sort of laws were on top of everything that you had to do. So the, the laws that were around people were just so harsh and it turned into this self-righteous, excessive, legalistic law-keeping. That's what it had become. And, and, and Christ later on in Matthew 23 berates the Pharisees by saying that, you know, you, you expect this of other people but you don't do it yourself. So the expectation and the burden that had been placed. Now remember, that would have really wound Christ up because it was basically representing who he was. So these laws that had been placed on people were not there to help and liberate people, but they were there to make them feel bad and even worse. So what he says here, and the problem with that sort of thinking, and again, I'm not saying that the law was a bad thing, and it certainly has a place, and we'll talk about that in a second. The biggest problem, though, is that no amount of law-keeping can bridge the gap between our sinfulness and God's glory. Or God, yeah, God's holiness. There is no amount. It doesn't. It doesn't work. So it doesn't matter. The point of the law was to point out the need for Christ. And it says that. Paul again sort of talks about that concept. That the, the reason the law was even brought in was so that you could realize there was a need. We were never going to achieve that by ourselves. <clears throat> so if you're finding it difficult to overcome a burden, you should if you're not doing it with Christ. Yeah, I think that's sort of, if you, if you find it difficult, then there's a good reason for that. And again, Christ gives us rest from trying to earn our way into heaven. You know, he just gives you that rest. You don't have to do that. You know, we rest in faith, faith in what he has done. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, you get to a stage, and I, I would see this in a lot of mature Christians you get to a point where you don't follow the law or what is right because you have to. You do it because you want to. Yeah? And I think one of the biggest things that I see as, a, as, a, as an act of that is people serving. People serve because they want to. They don't do it because they feel it out of a need of, oh, there's not this or there's not that or whatever. They feel like they want to do it. It will be something that comes so natural. So again, when we pray for people being on teams and stuff like that, there's a bit of me that's going, I don't pray for people being on teams. I pray for people to get a heart that, they, that, their, that their Christian walk gets to a point where they can't do anything but want to serve. And it may be serving in an area that they don't even want to or an area that's not really what they want to do. And remember, serving isn't about making you feel better about yourself. Oh, I'm only going to serve in this area because this is what I'm good at. You know what I mean? Anyway, that whole ministry thing is another thing. But you know what I mean? The reality is sometimes just serving. And God, you know, God's probably building something in you if you are into an area. Now, again, you know, me and Kath have certainly, certainly gone through this, and I'm sure most people that have walked as a Christian for a while, this is what happens. You know, is it sometimes you're put into an area, you think, well, that's not really my sort of place, but there is something that you will learn out of it. It will build something in you, and you will sort of go further because of it, yeah? So I pray for people to get a heart because I think that's where Christ was trying to get to with this sort of thinking. And again, I don't find Christianity a burden at all anymore, yeah? When I first started, I probably did. It was all about how well I kept things and how good I was and how much I did. The reality is that sort of thinking in my mind has certainly gone away, yeah? <clears throat> all right, is everyone okay? Okay, cool. But I hear you say... <laughs>
This is the way Paul always writes. I love the way Paul writes in the Bible. He always sets out a precedent and then goes, but, and then sort of brings the other argument. So maybe some of you were thinking this. But I hear you say, surely Jesus' commandments are more burdensome. Yeah? Surely his commandments are more burdensome because the old thing was like the Ten Commandments, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you've got Christ, don't kill someone, don't even think a bad thought. Surely that's way, way harder. Surely all of the expectations Christ have was far harder than what was in the Old Testament, even the Mosaic laws, yeah? You know, don't think a bad thought, don't covet something, don't even want something, you know what I mean? Don't even think a bad thought in your mind, yeah? And again, weren't both these laws from God? Wasn't the old laws and, the, and Christ's laws, weren't they both from God? So the answer to both of them is yes. Okay, well, the first one is certainly to the question of were they both from God? Yes, they were. Now, remember that the Mosaic law was that thing that pointed for the need of Christ. Christ's commandments are based on the fact that he has fulfilled the old law. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Remember, one of those things that Christ did was he fulfilled the Old Testament law, all the expectations of that, all of the stuff that was to go with that. That was one of the things that he achieved on the cross, yeah? So Christ's laws deal with our heart, the inner person, the thoughts. Yeah, does that make sense? When you're talking about things, Christ's law goes into here. It's got nothing to do with what's done out externally. It's actually what's inside of you, that person that's with you. <clears throat> and again, the difference is his obedience to the law is what counts, not yours. I'll say that again. The difference is his obedience to the law is what counts, not your obedience to the law. Yeah? That's how things, that's his currency that he works in, yeah? And again, his fulfillment of the law is that a reality that we walk in every day? Is that something that we actually sort of think about? Okay, again, his perfect obedience is the foundation of our faith. So when we talk about faith, it's based on the fact of what Christ has done. It's got nothing to do with something that's wishy-washy. It's about, okay, this is who Christ says he was, and this is what he says about you, this is what he's achieved for you. So again, that should be a cornerstone of our, of our life, you know? The faith that we have isn't something that's just like, oh, I hope things happen, or that's, oh, that'd be nice if it happens. It should be something that's a rock for us. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And his righteousness, his rightness is the stuff that he exchanged on the cross for our sins. Yeah. So his rightness, his righteousness is what he exchanged on the cross. So all these things, and again, I think understanding the, what he actually did on the cross is, is multifaceted. It's not just one simple thing that he did there. Okay. And again, the Holy Spirit will work inside of us and he will mold us into the image of Christ. That's what happens, you know what I mean? So Christ doesn't just go, oh, here's a good expectation, crack on with it. He actually says, okay, when I go, here's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will work inside of you, yeah? Which I think is a really important thing to understand. Okay, and that's how the yoke is light, because it's not you that's trying to achieve these things, yeah? That's how when you are yoked to Christ that it's actually simple, yeah? And again, I think it gives you a different perspective on why you do things. Yes, you're still going to go through the same things, but it's going to give you a whole different lens to look through when you do it. Does that make sense? Your work's still going to be there. All these things are still going to be there. None of these things disappear, but it gives you a different lens about why you do them. Okay. <clears throat> and again, this is just a simple example, yeah? How you see the world. And again, are we people that think that we need to bring Christ to people? Or are we people that understand Christ is in every person and we need to partner with that and draw it out of someone? That's a different perspective, I think. You know? Sometimes I think when you start in this journey, you think, I've got to bring Christ to people. But actually, are we people who think there's Christ in every person? doesn't matter who they are and what they're doing, but are we people that can help partner with that and actually draw that out of that person? That makes you look at the world differently. makes you function as a Christian differently. 
Makes you probably drop a lot of prejudices. <clears throat> anyway, just a thought. And again, so you sit there and you say, that's nice, really, nice concept. <laughs> but how does that actually help me on a day-to-day basis? I would suggest to you that that's probably the theology or the, the principles under the lie, I think, what we're trying to talk about. So let's get into some actual practicalities, yeah, how things actually work. Okay, is everyone okay? Is everyone with me? Okay, sometimes I go too fast. Am I still going, am I going too fast today? I am, aren't I? Sorry. I'll take a drink of water. Sorry, I get excited with myself. Okay. So I think the first thing that we really need to, under, to, to, to deal with is those imag- imaginary burdens, those unseen burdens. I think they're the ones that truly, truly are the ones that burden us so much, okay? There's going to be expectations that you meet on a daily basis, but I think that those ones that are inside your brain, if you, if you truly carry those around all the time, they'll be the things that break you, yeah? It won't always just be work and stuff. It'll be those unseen burdens and stuff like that. Okay. And we all know that to sort of cast out sort of fear, you know, it's love, it's, you know, all those sorts of things, you know, those concepts. But again, I want us to drill down on things a bit this morning. So desires and stuff, you know, desires are one of those things that drive people. Your desires, whatever they be, yeah, they will drive you to what you do. You can talk about concepts and being nice and all those things to think, but what drives you, what your desires are, that's where your heart goes to, yeah? So again, are we someone who sort of controls them? Now, let me go back to my illustration about wanting a tan. Now, I know that sounds probably really weird to people, but the reality is, you know, this was a huge burden for me when I was younger and stuff. That, and everyone I looked around had a tan and things, life was easy for them and they all looked like a surf and I looked like a burnt crisp. I looked like some sort of Scottish English person on holiday that shouldn't be here. <clears throat> but there was a big stage in my life and I remember when Christ sort of really started to work with me that I just accepted who I was. I accepted that who I was is this person. Yeah, and that's a huge stage in anyone's life. If they get to a point where they go, this is me, okay? I'm not like that and I'm not like that, but this is who I am. I think that's a huge place that somebody needs to get to into their life. And again, I certainly know for me when it, that happened, it was good. Then God could work with what I got, you know what I mean? And you know, if you really get that concept, you go, God will work with what I've got. And he's worked in the past with what you've got and he will work with what you've got in the future, yeah? And let me tell you, sometimes you think to yourself, oh, why isn't something happening? And well, I would suggest sometimes that it's because, you know, God's working with what you've given him. Let me say that again. Why, things, some, why sometimes things don't work in your life is because God's working with what you've given him. And sometimes the holdup has got nothing to do with God or all that sort of, it's actually you. Yeah? How much do you actually give? Do you let that burden control your life? Now, this could be your image about what weight you have, like whatever, substitute whatever you want. Certainly don't talk about, you know, whether you're white-skinned or not, but... You know, put in there whatever that is. Being poor. Again, this was a real burden for me. But again, you need to drill down. What was the burden about being poor? The burden about being poor was about being embarrassed. Yeah, about being embarrassed. It's shameful. There's times when all my friends had stable lives and great things and they had lots of... You had nothing, you know what I mean? Or you had next nothing. But you didn't. I had lots of things. You know, you just, in your mind, you think that things are really bad. And let me tell you, I think embarrassment is probably one of the strongest pulls. Yeah? I think one of the strongest reasons people don't do things is the fear of being embarrassed. It's one of those things, and I would actually go so far as to say the one reason or the primary reason people do not share the gospel is because they feel embarrassed. Yeah? I would actually suggest that one of the biggest reasons is that they, you know, they don't share the gospel because, oh, well, what if it doesn't, you know, what if they don't like it or whatever, what if it doesn't work? 
Oh, what about I don't want to pray for someone because what about if it doesn't work? Yeah? What if it does? What if it does? And if it does, I think if some random, if a strange person comes up to you and says something about you and then prays for you about something that is unique to you and it works, that is one of the most profound things that will ever happen in that person's life. And that's got nothing to do with arguing that person into heaven. It's got to do with that person going away and having to deal with the fact that some person who was strange walked up to him and said, oh, this is what God said about you and I wanted to pray into this and that's what's happened, yeah? And even if worse comes to worse, it doesn't work. You know, you think the person's going to go away, oh, that guy's a bit of a weirdo. Why did he talk about Christ and why did he pray for me? You don't know. That may be what he says, but he may not. He may go, man, that guy really stepped out. You know what I mean? That's, you know, he must believe what he thinks. And then next time that person has some problem, he may actually call you and go, oh, you know, I've got a real bad situation on my family. Do you mind coming and praying for me? You know, but I think that that fear of embarrassment and stuff like that is something that holds us back way, way too much. So you need to understand these things and, and, and overcome them. Does that make sense? I think it's really important for us to get over these sorts of things. And again, carrying things from the past or for the future. Yeah, you know, that one of the big things that that does is it leads people to be alone. One of the biggest, biggest problems with anxiety and fear and suicide, all these things that come together is being alone. Who in this room's felt alone? Yeah? Who in this room's felt alone in a room full of people? Yeah? Don't ever think people being around you, yeah? Some of the most loneliest people in the world will be in a city. I, I personally felt more alone in Sydney than I ever have down here. Yeah? Because I, I didn't even know people that had a door that was next to my door. Yeah, down here, you can't get away from people. <laughs> Does that make sense? People in the, do you know what I mean? So people are alone. Robin Williams said this. <laughs> if I can find it. I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to, is to end up with people that make you feel alone. Yeah? Let us not be people that make other people feel alone. If there is something that we should be able to break down the barrier of is getting past that, yeah, making people feel alone, you know? You know, and again, that needs to start in this house. You know, there should be no one in this house that is not known to people. You know what I mean? And this isn't just the responsibility of the pastors, yeah? This isn't just Pastor Josh and Pastor Sarah's responsibility. This is all of our responsibility, yeah? Let us be people that are known to each other because, you know, being alone has bad, tragic outcomes. Really bad. <clears throat> okay. This is the difference, yeah? This is in... 1 John 4 to 15. <clears throat> if anyone acknowledges that Christ is the Son of God, God will live in them and they in God. So this is the important thing, yeah? Where that we get to know that God is in us, yeah? Let us be people that know that God's in us and we should be sharing that with people. <clears throat> okay. So that's, that's those sort of imaginary ones. And again, the list of imaginary sort of ones can go on forever. Again, substitute your own into there. But can I be... I would challenge us to be people that sort of challenge them, identify what they are. Again, you know, if you're sitting by yourself and stuff, what is that burden that really worries you and stuff? Try to drill down to the root of it and then if you can, then just get rid, you know, I know it's not easy to say get rid of it, but again, try to sort of bring light onto it because a lot of things that have been the light shine on them sort of, they, they're not as bad as you think they were. Okay, then there's the real ones, okay, that we have in our lives, yeah? <clears throat> and again, if you think about the real birds we have in our life, there's a lot of interaction that goes on, isn't there? 
If you think about burdens you have in a day-to-day basis, there's interaction. And that's why God, I think, talks about, you know, patience and humility and kindness, you know, and being people of peace and having humility because he knows that the interactions you're going to have, you're going to need that. So that's why I think God talks about that. Okay, so let's, again, if we're dealing, dealing with these sort of, these seen ones on a day-to-day basis. Again, let us think about this word that it talks about. You know, it talks about burden. The word burden, when it's translated, means a ship that is designed to carry things. Yeah? So I think one of the most fundamental things that we have to understand is that you are designed to carry a burden. We are all designed to carry a burden now and into the future. Yeah? So you are designed to carry things. Sometimes I think people pray or they want all of their things to go away, all their burdens to go away. That's not the way God works. God doesn't say that he will take away your burdens. He says that he will help you walk through them. Yeah? So again, sometimes I think people sort of, I'm not saying people pray wrong, but certainly sometimes I think people can sort of wish for everything to go away. That doesn't really work. I think that, you know, we pray for, do we have some ability to carry things through that burden? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Okay, I want to just quickly look at a story while we finish up here. Try to be quick, sorry. Um... That just basically looks at, and again, if you look at um, the verse before this, Christ sends out the disciples, the 12, yeah? It's a great story, I think, I read it. It's in about three, ver- three versions in Matthew, Mark, and I think Luke. Again, he sort of sends out the 12, and he sends them out on their first mission trip, and again, he gives them some instructions, and again, so I think they're important for us to probably look at, because I think they sort of probably relate to us as people that go on out. Okay, now I'm going to read the first version in Mark, because I think there's a principle in here I quite like. So in Mark 6 to 7, he says... Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and give them authority over impure spirits. Now, the thing that I really quite like about that verse is he talks about that he will do it two by two, yeah? He will send people out two by two. Again, there's that concept of God, you know, like if you want to be yoked to God, he also sending the disciples out two by two, you know, and they had to work. And again, when the last time did God send out two by two? That was when he populated the earth. You know what I mean? So again, I think there's this sort of themes. There's a lot of themes. I, I love Ad's talk the other week that there's these themes in the Bible. You know, don't get just... And these, I think this is another theme, you know. God's going, okay, go out two by two. Not only did they have to learn to work together, because let me tell you, if you read about the disciples, they had a few roads where they turned either way. But the reality is, he's like, here you go. And again, you will, you will do amazing things if you work together. And again, he sends you out with authority to do these amazing things. And again, you are designed to carry a burden. And again, sometimes don't compare your abilities to other people, yeah? Please take this the way I mean it. (laughs) I was thinking about church the other day, and one of the reasons, and I thought to myself, am I in the right church and stuff, you know what I mean? And one of the reasons that I would suggest that I am in the right church is because if this was a church that I chose, probably half of you wouldn't be in it. And I'm sure for most of you, probably half of you, that I wouldn't be in your church, yeah? Now, the reality is, I th- and the, the, what I'm trying to point out with that sort of, because that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it, when I think about it? The reality is, though, I think that, you know, this, this place sort of will function and stuff, and we will achieve amazing things because there is such a diversity in this house. Yeah? Does that make sense? And diversity should never, ever be seen as a burden or something that is a problem. It should be seeing God will achieve things that you will never. Because if it was just up to me and friends that were like me, I would achieve this. But if you have people that are completely different to you and challenge you and push you into an area where you don't even think, then you're going to achieve this. Does that make sense? So I think if we're ever going to be people who achieve things, you need to understand that you know what I mean. And again, think about what God did to the, to the disciples, you know. Paul, go and go talk to the Gentiles. What? You're a Jew. Why wouldn't you go talk to the Jews? Who does he send to the Jews? Fishermen. 
Yeah? Like, seriously, God, I, I do, yeah, he's having a laugh. But, you know, I think, again, he's just sort of, does it make sense? Anyway, that was my thought the other day. Okay, the story that I want to focus on, and I'll try not to be too long with this, is Matthew 10, 1 to 15, okay? And this is where he sends out. So Jesus calls the 12 disciples to himself and gives them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Just take that in verse, yeah? Just take that verse in to heal every sickness and stuff, yeah? So remember, Christ before this, most of the verses before this is where Christ actually establishing his authority. Yeah, most of it's all about Christ actually establishing who he was. This is who I am and this is who I represent. He did amazing things. But then what does he do? He says, okay, I'm gonna give that authority and give it to you, yeah? So the reality is we should be people who think that we can achieve amazing things. Yeah, we should not be people who sit back and go, mm, it's just a nice thing and stuff. Yeah, and there's this old saying that says, where God guides... He will provide, yeah? So again, just remember, if you're gonna step into things, God will provide, yeah? And you know, who will build something significant because you are able to carry significance. And again, authority to do it and stuff. And again, we are all called to be ministers. We are all called to be people who minister. This isn't just a select group of people. This is every person in this house has their own ministry to walk into. So my first point, if anyone's taken points, is the power to act is his. Just remember, any increase, anything that happens, that is God's. Okay, the next verse is basically lists all of the disciples. I'm not going to read all through that that, that went out. I do, find it, I do find it interesting, and again, it's probably a sermon by itself, that Judas was part of that crew. Remember, he gave authority to Judas to cast out demons, do all those amazing things, yeah? Even though he knew in the future that he was going to betray him. Okay, let's move down to verse 5. The 12, Jesus sent out, with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter the towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Really? Really? Shouldn't that read that I'm going to send you out to all of the world and save everyone? Doesn't that sound a little bit selective? I'm going to go out to the Jewish people? Really? Aren't they the people who rejected you and sort of argued with you? <clears throat> This just brings up a little point. I think if you read verses in the Bible that seem hard or don't fit with your philosophy, don't look over them. Challenge yourself to read them, understand them, see what they mean, because there's always a point for them. Yeah? And again, sometimes when, and let me tell you, when I read this verse, there's three versions of this. This is the longest and the most extensive. The other versions are nice and sweet and simple and don't actually talk about a verse like this. But I think there's a good point that he talks about with this, yeah? He basically says, okay, I want you to go out to these sorts of people and stuff. And again, he was, you know, at first the message was to go to the Jewish people. Now, we all know that later on in the story that it does go to the Samaritans and it does go to the ends of the earth. But at the beginning, he wanted them to go out and talk to the Jewish people. And I think this brings up my second point, is that sometimes God will not explain why. He will say, he will give you something that you should do, and he will say, have faith, trust in me. Yep. So the point here is um, that there is obedience without details. A lot of things, and any person who's walked significantly with God will say to you that there are times when I had no idea what was going on. Yep, but there is obedience that goes with it. And again, you know, there's amazing things that go on with that, raising um, the dead, all sorts of things, yeah? Okay. Verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay, again, just remember that there are amazing things that you, like, like really if you get around that concept of raising the dead and stuff, it's insane. But basically he says, the reason you will be able to do this is because I've given to you freely. 
Yeah? So again, remember, we have had things given to us freely, and freely we should give them back. Liberally give. Verse 9, do not give... Do not take any gold or silver or copper or take anything in your belt. No bags for the journey or extra shirts or sandals or a staff for, the, for a worker is worth his keep. That's a bit challenging too, isn't it? Now it doesn't say that you go with nothing, but it says don't take extra. Don't take those things that will make your life too comfortable. Yeah, it looks like he wants to strip everything away, doesn't it? Just take it back to who you are. And let's face it, man, if we're ever going to be effective Christians, it is who we are that really counts. And again, take nothing with you. Don't take, because whatever is an increase is going to be an increase of God, not because of you. And again, I think one of the biggest problems if you keep things around you and stuff like that, the problem with stockpiling things is it leads you to think that you don't need God. Okay? And again, I think if we have too many things in our lives, then there won't be that readiness to fall to your knees and actually need God. Yeah? Again, so the, the point here, point four is serve Jesus and let him provide. Yeah? Event, verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some who is worthy, worthy person and stay with them in their house until you leave. Now again, just remember that the word worthy here doesn't mean like, oh, are they worthy? It means, were they, it's not a moral sense here. It's actually talking about, were these people who accepted the gospel? If they are people who accepted the gospel. And the reason that he said, stay with that person, because sometimes there's a, you know, they're walking into a dangerous place and you may want to look for something better. But the reality is what he's sort of saying here is that if you go and live with that person, there's an authenticity to who you are. You could walk in and preach a sermon and say, oh, that's amazing. But if you go and live with people, then there's an authenticity to who you are. So again, let us be people who have an authenticity about us, yeah? Be a people who have integrity. Again, in verse 12, as you enter the home, give 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 your greeting. If the home deserves it, let your peace rest on it. If it does not, let your peace return to you. It's a bit challenging too, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a challenging sort of concept there as well. And again, when it talks about people responding here, it's, you know, sometimes people are going to respond negatively to the message. That's going to be what happens, yeah? But again, that shouldn't be something that puts us off. And when it talks about leaving your blessing on the house, it's about talking about your blessing to people, okay? And again, if someone wants to receive the word and stuff like that, then you will, you push into that. If they don't, then you leave it alone, okay? You return your peace to you. Again, so the principle out of this is don't fight back and don't sort of counter people when they want to do that. Just be peacemakers. So again, the point I think of this verse is to actually be peacemakers. Yeah, regardless of what people's response is. Doesn't matter what people respond, you be a peacemaker. Okay, to the last verse here. If anyone will not come or listen to your word, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. That's harsh, yeah? That's a harsh verse. And again, I probably can't really unpack it with justice today. But I think one of the things that here is again, that, you know, the reality is there is no plan B, yeah? The kingdom of God is near. There is one way to God. That's the truth of it. You know what I mean? And there is a reality to what we believe and what we do, yeah? And the symbol of, symbolism of shaking your, you know, the, the dust off your feet, that's what Jewish people used to do when they left the, sort of left the Gentiles' house and stuff like that. So what that sort of would have represent to these people here, if they were a Jewish person, is that the decision you've made is poor, is that the decision you've made to not accept the Messiah was a bad one. And they basically, it's sort of a warning, you know? When you read commentaries on this, basically they're saying this is a warning to the people. 
that, you know, you are rejecting God. So again, I think there is a seriousness to what we do. Again, say, speak the truth and leave the rest to God. That's a principle I think we need to think about here. Okay. Is that okay? All right. So look, I think, what, I think the, the, the burden of Christ um, was one of the commandments that most characterized his teaching. Yeah? The, new, the new commandment that men should love one another and those who obey that command will find that, they, that their burdens are light and easy. That's a, that's a message that is over and over and over in the Bible. So again, can we be people that actually push into these things and understand this? Because I think Christ established amazing things on the cross. Let us be people that yoke ourselves to him and actually sort of walk that out. Does that make sense? Okay. Whether seen or unseen burdens, yeah, let us be people, in summary, I'm summing up now, is that, you know, let us be people that walk with Christ in a real way, yeah? Let's find that peace because we should be peddlers of peace. That's who we are. We are people who give people peace with God, yeah, and just understand that because I think that's a real important thing. I think a lot of people out there just, they don't have peace. People don't have peace in their heart. You know, they, they may have a lot of things. They'll have fronts, they'll have money, they'll have this, they'll have that, but they don't have peace. Let us be people that share that peace with people. And again, just remember, what are you yoked to? Again, if you want to think about that concept, just think about if you were alone and you had a free afternoon and things were going bad in your life, what would you resort to? Yeah, if you want to think about that. <clears throat> and again, let that Holy Spirit come inside you, you know, because I think that's a thing that can really work from the inside out. That's the power that you need to really overcome things. Um, and again, just remember those sort of principles I just spoke about at the end there, yeah? That there is a, that the power to act is hid. There is an obedience without details, yeah? Freely is being given to you. Give liberally. Um, serve Jesus and let him provide. Be people of integrity. Be peacemakers, regardless of what the response is. And again, speak the truth and leave the rest to God, yeah? I think they're just, I don't know. That's a summary of things anyway. So again, if there is anyone today, I would challenge you today, if you want to be brave, if anyone in this house has got a burden that they really feel that is overwhelming to them and stuff like that, I would challenge you today at the end of service, if you want to, please come up the front and people will come and pray with you because I think that that is one of the biggest tools that we can use to, to bring these things to bear is to actually have people stand beside us and pray for them. So if you have something in the today that is really burdensome to you, please, please feel free to come up and there will be people who come and pray with you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, sing a song, sorry. The band, please come up.